terms uh, that are completely free for you to agree uh, with with your employer, in this case, your startup. Uh, and so it's a very flexible uh, approach uh, to, uh, to keeping the workforce engaged. Um, employment contracts are not required uh, and they're typically not used. Um, oftentimes uh, people will wanna be what we, what we call independent contractors so that they can uh, act a little bit like an LLC and, and uh, deduct their expenses uh, against their income to, to reduce their taxes. So people like to be independent contractors. Uh, the tax code doesn't like that because it avoids the payment of payroll tax. And, and so um, that's something that uh, uh, is, is important for uh, foreign uh, founders to know as they come and access the U.S. market is, is that they need employment status and they've got to decide whether they're uh, an employee or, or a consultant. And then finally, um, as you begin to look at the market for capital, um, you know, there's convertible debt and equity. Uh, and most recently in the last five years, a, a non uh, debt and non-equity instrument that we call a safe has become the ubiquitous form of, of financing uh, and raising capital for your new venture. Uh, and, it, and it's designed to not be debt so that it doesn't have a due date uh, and not equity so that you don't have to put a price on your company. Uh, and uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that was founded uh, here in the, the Silicon Valley, San Francisco Bay Area, and, and has become the ubiquitous form of, of startup capital. Um, Vitaly, I think I have uh, talked more than 10 minutes now about legal matters. And so I'm going to stop there and invite people to follow up with questions, but uh, turn this over to, uh, to you and, and the panel. Great. Thank you for that. So uh, we went through this lightning speed um, and we wanted to leave as much time as possible for our wonderful panelists to actually share their experience of investing and participating in companies that uh, have focused on kind of coming cross border. I don't think anybody on this call, actually, Lou, I think you were the only one that was born in, in this country. Um, the rest of us uh, came here one way or another uh, as kids or as adults. So with that, um, SC, Becky, Eugene, if you can unmute, and I'd like to uh, turn it over to you. So with the first question, uh, Silicon Valley has always been the destination for technology entrepreneurs. Uh, how has this changed in 2020, if at all? Whoever wants to jump in. So I, I guess I can go. The, well, the biggest challenge has been for some of the entrepreneurs, especially with COVID, is getting visas. So because, uh, because of the COVID situation globally, the U.S. embassies have been uh, closed and not issuing any visas. Uh, and uh, the still current administration has put in a lot of effort in uh, stopping immigration. And uh, some of it touched some of the entrepreneurs as well, especially very early stage uh, entrepreneurs, um, early stage companies. But uh, in terms of uh, this, there are a lot of perseverance. So people in the beginning of the year, a lot of companies we see moved to the founders moved to the US and uh, moved their companies here. So it's been a fairly decent amount of companies. And I think Vitaly, you could probably agree on that as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's been definitely less than, than usual, I would say. Becky, SC, do you have any uh, comments on that one? So we typically, invest a little bit later stage and for the all the great reasons 
Louis mentioned, we invest once a company is a uh, you know, Delaware C Corp. So what we've seen is that the companies we, we look at, they already have at least a small team, like an executive and a couple of people in the US and mainly in Silicon Valley, um, because that's where a lot of the talent still is. Um, and then they have, you know, operations, engineering in a location where the talent is more cost effective, more loyal, uh, whether that's in, you know, like secondary tech hubs in the US or outside of the US. So the change we've seen since COVID is really in the way we do due diligence, because obviously we're not able to do due diligence in person. And so we've had to develop a number of mechanisms to make up for the fact that we cannot go to the office, get a sense for the culture of the company. We cannot really build a, you know, a, a relationship with the, the CEOs. Um, so that's, that's what we've had to do in adjusting our due diligence. And SC, this is Louis. Do you feel like this is leveling the playing field for, for uh, founders outside the U.S. to access the U.S. market? Um, because, you know, to do a Zoom due diligence, uh, you know, you could just as well be in the Ukraine or, or, uh, or China as, as here in the Silicon Valley. I suppose there are time zone issues, but uh, uh, we're all navigating them this morning here, aren't we? Um, and uh, just question for you on, on whether, in fact, it's faster or easier to get through your due diligence process in, in the remote world or whether it's, in fact, slower. I will say at first it, it was harder because we weren't used to it. But now that we're used to it, we actually find that the mechanism are more transparent. So to your point about leveling the playing field, yes. Does that mean that we will fund companies from anywhere and that, you know, innovation can come from anywhere? I'm, I'm with Vitaly. I think that, yes, there is, you know, more innovation across uh, the world. In fact, you know, 95% of jobs are created by small companies, uh, companies that are five years or younger. But overall, right, Silicon Valley is still the, the mecca of innovation. So there's still a very strong preference for, you know, the best companies, the best founders uh, and CEOs having um, an office, at least in the Bay Area. Yeah, and I, I, um, I, I'm just looking at the at the chat function, and my good friend Jordan Wobb from SV Venture Group uh, is making the point that uh, COVID doesn't level the playing field in terms of network because it's very hard to create a new network uh, in times of COVID. You certainly can access the one you already have, but but creating a new one, uh, you know, I receive dozens of LinkedIn invites a day, and while I may accept them, I'm I'm not going to go do a Zoom call with somebody that that didn't find a way to get a warm introduction to me through someone I know. And, and that's, that's, I guess, the real benefit uh, to being here. Um, it, Vitaly said something uh, really interesting, and that's that I'm the only person on this call who was born here in the U.S. Uh, I'll point out, though, that my father was a, a foreign tech founder from France. Uh, and so absolutely the, the, the fruit of uh, uh, the Silicon Valley I am uh, in, in, uh, in the immigrant story. 
Um, but do you feel like Silicon Valley represents the values today that, that it did uh, however many years ago that each of you came? And since you, you all look like you're teenagers, I'll, I'll say that was yesterday, but do you feel like Silicon Valley in San Francisco today has the values uh, that it did when you, when you came to this country? And maybe Eugene, I'll start with you to put you on the hot seat. Oof. I would say that it's a lot more tech-centric. Like when I moved here as a kid, it wasn't like you go to a coffee shop, you can hear not just tech talk. Now it's like you go to any coffee shop, everybody is just discussing either uh, what's happening in their company or a new startup that somebody is starting or somebody is looking for some, some new talent or somebody is pitching another VC. So, so it's a lot, it became a lot more tech centric and, and it's, it actually feels a little bit like a bubble here where, you know, the, the tech uh, industry is here, but when you go like a uh, hundred miles from here, you're leaving this world where the only thing that people care about is tech. Yeah. Becky, how about for you? Do you feel like this country still represents the values that attracted you? Uh, and I don't mean this country, I mean the Silicon right. Valley. Are we still yes, are yes. we still there? Yeah, it's very funny you mentioned that. I think it to the point Eugene made earlier, when I came here about more than 20 years ago, uh, also in San Francisco, was the first tech bubble. Uh, and then the that time I thought it was like the epitome of the tech. And now it's even more than that, a hundred times more than that. I think it's a lot more tech here uh, and the focus on technology here for sure. I also noticed the change where the spanning out of, of the sort of the, the, the center, if you think that Silicon Valley will be the gravity center in the past of pulling talent and technology come in. And at the same time also expanding with the, probably the internet, because you know 20 years ago, even the PayPal's and Yahoo's already started to have tech hubs in India. So the access to talent to complement to sort of the pools of, of innovation and people and concentration of that, it seems to be the, the um, the theme playing out more so than today. So my company, for example, I'm the only one here in Silicon Valley and a couple of the team members in US and I have a team in Europe. So in the past, it was like everyone here, right? So 20 years ago, was so you have a tech startup, everyone here. But now, you know, with the tech, you know, technology access and a lot of uh, framework, uh, from a legal and, and uh, you know, um, just the PEO type of uh, support globally that really enable the cost structure that we have today. I actually agree on that. Like uh, about 70% of our portfolio companies have uh, tech talent outside of US, maybe 60%, and, but the founders and marketing product and sales is here. Right. Yeah, it's, when my family came over in 1990, uh, Silicon Valley still was making silicon. Uh, so my, my father was in the- They still are, Vitaly. They still yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, kind of. My, my father was in the semi uh, semiconductor industry, but kind of through the 90s, that went away and everything became internet focused um, in the late 90s. So it's quite interesting. Um, where, where I see the, the possibility of, you know, a, a competitor to Silicon Valley is, is in China. Um, honestly, nowhere else. 
Um, but in China, I, I've had the opportunity to go to a couple of regions and um, talk and, and, and see the, the innovation scene there. And the scale at which this is done is, is so completely mind-blowing that it really has a shot at competing with Silicon Valley because you have the universities, the governments, and the financial, like the lenders and the, the, the money folks, completely working together for really long-term strategy, right? So in one region, they're creating 11 accelerators. They have mechanisms to, to fund them. They give them grants. And it's completely orchestrated between these three entities. And so entrepreneurs are more able to overcome the, you know, the more risk-averse um, culture that you see anywhere else outside of Silicon Valley. Uh, because there is so much of the, the ecosystem that's provided. It's really impressive. Yeah, China, in fact, eclipsed uh, U.S. and venture capital totals in 2018, but then um, some of the incentives were removed and it fell by 50% in 2019. I'm, I'm very curious about the numbers when they come out for this year, uh, what direction that's all going, uh, because it's going to be telling. But uh, the amount of talent and the, and the speed and the work ethic is, is absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, uh, the government does a lot of the support for them and gives them a lot of the money. I mean, right. most of the money is coming from the government related. Well, one way or another, right? Either to the funds or directly to the companies. Yeah, um, I think that, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I totally to the point that SE mentioned, I think the ecosystem is the key and it's a hard to start an ecosystem. But once you start, you have elements coming in, the, the entrepreneurs, the innovation talent, and then and the fund, and then also the customers, right? A lot of things that we build has to go to customers. Sometimes people come to US because you primarily sell to the US market, you sell to the US businesses. You have to be here to know how they work, what they want. Now you start to have ecosystem also as a customer, for example, in China, the market that big, that really putting things together. I totally think that's- um, But it is extremely difficult to do business in China. Other than the local talent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so for anybody else, for a company, because uh, the I see it companies have been fairly good Go entering ahead, the U.S. market. Like Tencent entered the U.S. Uh, we have uh, a bunch of companies that entered the U.S. market from China, but success of companies entering into China has been so-so. Um, yeah, it is very difficult. We, I mean, back in the days, and PayPal, eBay, Yahoo, all of them spend you know all of us spend a lot of time and energy just learning a completely different culture and also the market wasn't the same as it is today i think that timing as well but i think cross market is always a lot of learning curve that your network ecosystem does not naturally come with you when you're going to that market yeah i agree Becky, what would you tell your younger self? Uh, 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 wish what what was the one or two things that you wish you could have uh, uh, gotten to faster uh, or understood faster um, that you wish uh, you could you would have known that you could share with our audience today? Uh, very good question. Um, I came here pretty late. I was like a fully grown, hardly speaking English, right? So then it was a very large uh, adjustment. Um, once I, I get to the point out of working in the companies I run into the problems I had that I've had it today. So I could not um, 
manage the product, I could not prioritize, I could not get all the teams to work together very well, I should have taken the risk. I should have just go do it instead of, you know, didn't feel like I could, didn't feel I have the network, didn't feel I have the access that I needed to, to start a company. So I waited too long. I should have started a lot earlier um, and should have just go find the network and start building out what I had. Well, thanks for sharing that, Ben.